Welcome to episode one of season four of From Adventure to Innkeeper, a podcast for all LARPers. I am your host, Martin Lesson, and we'll be talking about live-action roleplay events and experiences. Throughout this series, we will talk about specific LARPs and also more general topics surrounding LARP. This episode, we'll look at Disney's Galactic Star Cruiser and how it is basically a LARP. Wikipedia describes it as a Star Wars-themed two-night live-action role-playing choose-your-own-adventure experience aboard a simulated cruise in outer space within the Star Wars galaxy. It opened on March the 1st, 2002, so it's a fairly new thing. Included in this experience is an excursion to the world of Batu, which is the galaxy's edge part of Disney's Hollywood Studios. Although it has a hefty price tag, the experience is fully immersive as everywhere you turn, there is Star Wars. Even your cell phone becomes a data pad, which many people deck out with little greebles to make it feel more in-universe, as you use it to interact with many terminals throughout the ship and missions on Batu and on the ship itself. Before we step into this topic, I'd like to take this moment to thank Feedspot, which is a blogging site. For including From Adventure to Innkeeper, it's one of its top five LARP podcasts to listen to in 2023. Their list is a good one, and I can recommend all the podcasts on it, with, of course, a major bias toward this one, which is in the number two spot. Uh, their website is blog.feedspot.com, and the top five list can be found at blog.feedspot.com backslash LARP underscore podcasts. This show is for both new LARPers through seasoned veterans, and we will be implementing a scale to let you know the main focus of each episode. Episodes air every odd month, so January, March, May, July, September, November, and will be approximately one to two hours in length. Every episode is for everyone, but some will focus more on issues which resonate with one group or another. As such, we have a scale which tells you the focus of the topics and the possible depths and some of the various bogs and dungeons we'll wade into. The scale for this episode is Adventure, as it is mainly aimed at those who play LARP. We will, however, be covering topics in this episode that relate directly to all players and possibly game designers, so I hope that both players and game designers will find it useful to them. As this episode is more player-directed um, than some of our other topics, I've arranged for some guests to help us uh, discuss their thoughts on Star Cruiser as LARP. So with me today, I have Kevin, Jen, Elliot, and Sarah Kate, all LARPers from the U.S., and all of them, and myself included, have been to Star Cruiser. So thank you, Kevin, Jen, Elliot, and Sarah Kate, for joining me today. Um, before we begin an open discussion, let me first ask you guys to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your involvement with LARP. So any one of you who wants to start. I could jump in. Um, so I'm Jen. I've been marking about 10 years. Um, the Star Cruiser was the first kind of blockbuster, really high-end LARP I've done. Uh, but I've done a lot of um, local campaign buffer LARPs, Tales of Valor, Future Imperfect, um, Coddington Woods. And it was a really awesome experience to see how that those experiences translated into something like the Star Cruiser, and I'm really excited to talk about it. Excellent. Uh, so, so next up is is whoever wants to go next. Um, I'm Sarah Kate. I have been working for about seven, about seven years now. Uh, done some local works, done some big blockbusters like College of Wizardry, 
um, Fair Weather Manor, just local arts like um, New World Microscola, Legends of the Stars, Star, um, Starfall, and a couple local Regency like um, Night at the Endicott and some other Regency arts. Excellent. Um, Elliot, Kevin, either one of you? Elliot, go I ahead. Guess I, I guess I'll go ahead since it looks like Kevin's still muted. Um, I'm Elliot Hansen. Uh, I uh, LARPed a lot in uh, high school <laughs> and kind of stopped, but then uh, after spending some time on the Star Cruiser, I'm starting to get involved locally with some stuff here in town. So that's, that's it. Fantastic. I've done, I've, I've done Star Cruiser three times. Nice. Uh, Kevin. Envious. And I am Kevin Schindel. Um, I've been LARPing since 2003. Uh, first as a member of what's now known as the Modern Enigma Society, which is a Vampire the Masquerade Theater LARP, which has a chapter in Boston that is actually a national-based organization. Um, and one might say that I'm a bit of a professional, as I have been on writing staff for Legend of the Stars, second run, um, as well as I am a writer and operations manager for Nexus Onyx Fantasy Gaming, which is out of Camp Denison in Georgetown, Mass., um, which is a high fantasy combat or bar for luck, uh, set in a very unique world. And unlike most LARPs in New England, we're one of the few that do not use Accelerant. We have our own homebrew system that's deliberately made to be a lot easier uh, for people to be able to grab and run with. Um, I've also actually done um, a handful of big name um, events um, like uh, New World Magistola um, and helped actually participated in a offshoot of College of Wizardry that happened here in the, in the United States. Um, my wife is, did College of Wizardry herself, um, so I have a little bit of experience with laughing. Excellent. Um, so my listeners know who I am, but but for, for those of you on the call who don't, um, so I'm Martin. I have been LARPing for, well, it's got to be since high school, so close to, close to almost 30 years now. Um, never fully gave it up as an adult because even adults deserve to have fun. Um, and recently did Star Cruiser. That was the last sort of LARP thing that I did. Um, so to ensure that we're all on the same page for the purposes of this conversation, we're just going to briefly define what specifically we're talking about today. And it's pretty straightforward. We're going to be discussing the Disney Star Cruiser Hotel experience as a LARP. So hopefully we are now all on the same page. I'm going to open this up to my guest and we can begin diving a little bit deeper into this aspect of LARP. So... The first thing I'd like to hear from all of you is what were your first impressions of the Galactic Star Cruiser from check-in uh, and boarding and then onward? And I just I just remember being an absolute bundle of excitement. Just I I'm big into costuming. I um I'm a member of um, Rebel Legion and the Five Hundred First Legion where we are obsessed over screen accurate costuming. So I'm obsessed 
over all those details of building costumes, making costumes. So for me, being able to see that same level of detail in the setting from, from the moment you check in and you see kind of the outside of the bunker and the hallways walking in, I was just, it's, it's kind of like you just remember that emotion of that five-year-old self being like, Chewie, we're home. It, it was that feeling of coming home to a place that I'd never been, but I felt had been living in my imagination for, for years. And it was also really neat to not have to suspend your disbelief because at the summer camp sites we're used to running a lot of camps at, you're, you, you don't have to ignore the paintings done by campers. You don't have to ignore the stuff that's not high fantasy because it's a New England summer camp site. So it was so amazing to not have to use my imaginations for that and just be there and be present in that moment and be excited. Yeah, I would like to throw in that I honestly, the one small regret I have is we had come from another hotel immediately over to uh, check in for the Galactic Star Cruiser, and I wish I had dressed up beforehand. Everybody else in line, well, not everybody, everybody, but almost everybody was dressed up already, so they went right in, and here I am in you know, vacation clothes, walking in with my son and my arms, just like, well, I'm underdressed for this. But see, Kevin, the flip side is if you went in the summer, I my arrival outfit was pretty decent for August, but my poor husband was way too hot waiting, so he ended up having to take off his costume shirt, just wear his undershirt, and then throw that back on. There's a balance. There's a balance. So he, he regretted that he was full costume this part. <laughs> Oh, he looks cute. So, so right. we we went at the very beginning of the summer, and I will freely admit there was a couple of days that I in fact took off the jacket of my costume because it was just too much in the in the heat of Florida for me. But I'm a very very northern boy, and I've lived in Massachusetts my entire life. So, I, I thought that was the cool part because we came we. We came from another Disney um, resort, so Disney took care of all our luggage, and we didn't have to worry about. And they and it was automatically put into our room, and they got us the cab to they they got us transportation to the um to the Star Cruiser. I thought it was really cool. We had dressed up, but I also thought it was kind of cool because it felt like you were at waiting. At a, at a cruise terminal, and everyone is in various stages of dress. Even at the cruise terminals, there's the people who are dressed to the nines, whether they travel or not, and then people who just show up in their shorts and get on the cruise ship because they've been on it a thousand times. So I thought it was really cool because we had there's everyone from just casual to dressed, and it felt like you're actually waiting to board an actual cruise cruise line. I think one of the cool things with that experience was the fact that the hotel that we left from, which was the Grand Floridian, like the night before, sent us this message about, you know, what the process was going to be. And it was it was overlaid with the Star Wars theme. And, and you know, even the guy at the Grand Floridian who was leading this message really sort of got into character for you. So 
you know, even though you were were in a normal civilian car going there, it still kind of already started to feel something Star Warsy. Um, and then you get there, and and you know they're handling all the luggage, and it, it's it's it, you know exactly like boarding this cruise ship. And then you take the that, second, yeah. Well, in the second you see the stone pillar, you just what two two of, two of my friends are on the Star Cruise on their second day right now, and one he sent me the picture of the of the pillar yesterday, and you just you feel that excitement building, and I'm I'm just so excited to hear what they think because they're. As we're recording this, they're about to ramp up to when things happen. When a lot of things happen, no spoilers, but things are going to happen. And it's just, it's that, it's that detail and that setting. It's kind of like when you're driving into a LARP campsite, you see that sign. You're like, all right, I'm almost there. I'm about to go register. Yeah. And I, and Sarah Kate, I love that comparison to boarding an action crew. How you've got some people who are in their fancy cruise where we're ready to go. Other people in their pajamas. Yeah, that's such a great way to think about because that's what it is. I love it. I find it interesting that you, that was the experience you had. We came from a contemporary straight end, and unfortunately for us, um, we had to have. The, you know, they did arrange for, for for a transport for us, but we had to pack all of our luggage onto the the mini car or the mini bus we used uh, and unload it uh, you know, into the cruise, but. Again, once we once we were at the, the terminal, it was going into our uh, actual cruise. Or at least, like I, I admit, I've never been on an actual cruise ship because I get seasick too much. Um, but every movie depiction of getting on a cruise ship to go sail around the world, almost exactly the, the same. So, and what's amazing is there's people who actually paint their luggage. They're, they don't do just their regular suitcases. They have the, the their they get their suitcases, they weather it. And I, I felt I sort of did that a little bit. I have, an, I have an orange, a big orange pelican case for my check luggage when I need to check extra photography and camera gear. So that kind of had that feel, but I, I had a, another pile of luggage. But it's it's neat how some people just get they get into it just from that early stage and you're just like, okay, you need to start regular working. Like, did you all meet people? Who you you thought to yourself, especially talking to them afterwards, you need to start doing regular larks. Don't just lark on the star cruiser. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, th- I think it it appeals to that kind of person, and and you certainly meet people who you're like, I swear I've met you somewhere before. Um, like the the guy who was wraith for our cruise. I swear to God, I've met him at like a Renaissance fair. Or, or at some LARP at some point. And it's, it, you know, even that really just sort of helped the immersion because of how how in tune, he, like, the characters were to what was going on. Uh, now, obviously, they have little tiny earbuds with people probably feeding them info. But even without that, it, you, you sort of get this feeling of, of, wow, they actually have a clue what's going on on, like, 20 different parts of the ship at the same time. I also feel like the cast members have LARPer detection. Like, they know who's there to play. They know who's going to say yes and, and they know who's willing to take those role play risks and who's really uncomfortable being the center of attention. Did you all, did you all find, notice, did that seem, am I, did, oh, you, did other folks notice that oh, too? Oh my, yes, that was absolutely our case. We, 
Um, same sort of deal. We we were interacting with like a lot because um, we can't, you know, it was just, not just myself and my wife and my child, but also a friend of ours who came with, and we rolled in as kind of a smuggling team, and they were like. You're one, you're just like me. Come with me. I need your help right now. And you can't say no. And I I was not planning to have anything to do with smuggler stuff. I was like, I was I was gonna be resistance stuff, Jedi, like I like one of the characters took one look at me and was like, mm, all drawn in fashion, at least that kind of had some positive contribution to the galaxy. So I was like you looked you you looked at me what I was wearing. I, you could tell what I was going for. I was I, I knew smuggler happening. I happened. I knew my husband was gonna do that. But Wraith sucked me in. Wraith, I like by, I like Wraith and guy. I I I was ready to ride or die for Wraith and guy. And it's just you're and as you're as you're you're kind of in your head. You got that meta going on as a larper where you're like, this isn't the plot I meant to dive into, but they sucked me in. And just how good they are. And then in your head, like for, for folks who staff and run lots, in my head, I'm like, how do I, how do, I do that? How am I gonna, what am I going to steal from them to destroy my friends who play the games I write for emotionally? So did, did uh, out of curiosity, because it's really hard to, you know, since, since I know they rotate cast a little bit, was your Wraith the, the I'm, I'm going to call him a silver fox for lack of a better word, with like the the silver gray beard and the, the the silver hair going on, or did you have a different wraith? I had I didn't have the silver fox wraith. I had a different wraith. Okay. Um, and he was just you. He he had that politician gift where he made you feel like you were the only person in the room. And I have to imagine that's something all the wraiths have yeah. to be able to do because they're everyone I know. I mean, you just wraith is. I, I don't know. I don't. It's like wraith. Constantly rolls natural twenties on charisma. Like yep. there's just well, no, because you know, I I feel the same way because I went in with my entire plan was let, let's follow the Saya path and 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 potentially do some resistance stuff. And I don't know how I got roped into the wraith plot, but somehow I did, and it was like awesome. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I'm I'm nervous because like eventually we're we're gonna go back yep. at some point, and I and I really want to do a different path, but there's this part of me that's like, what if I can't say no to Wraith and Gaia? Like, I'm just gonna ha- I have I'm just gonna have to be okay with doing a lot of the same things I did, which will all be different. But I'm like, you can't. You you can try to resist that other life. I I was Wraith all the way from the beginning, so I I I felt. So those right away. So, so Elliot, we, we haven't heard much from you. What, what? For, for going for going back a second time, what uh, a second and a third time, what will happen is you'll find the ability to be on almost all of the paths at the same time. So I was I was fortunate. I went a couple weeks ago, and their occupancy was at like twenty five percent. Like we were sitting in the dining room, and there were seven tables with ten people at it, and that was it. And there was no second seating. And so we were able to, with our group, to basically do every path. So, because uh, I don't know about you, like, it, my first time going, I didn't jump in right away. I was a little nervous and a little hesitant, wasn't exactly sure what was going on. So, so I kind of hesitated and, and missed out on a bunch of stuff. And then just in the course of, of going back, like, I would, the advice I would give to everybody 
is if you find yourself with nothing to do, just go sit in the lobby because something's going to happen between the hours of three and 10 o'clock, which is the shift time for everyone that's there. Uh, just sit in the lobby and someone's going to swing by and chat with you. So. So, so, so here's a question for all of you. Did you discover the droid panel in your room? Yes. Did you have it tell you a bedtime story? No, I didn't know that was an option. So it does it for two of the nights, and it's the best absolute bedtime story I've ever had told to me in my entire life. We recorded it, so if any of you didn't get a chance to hear it or want to hear it again, um, it maybe um, Martin, if you if you if you connect us, I'll send the link because yeah. it's it's the light. I was very glad my husband had the foresight to say we need to record this. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we didn't think about it, but when, when it came up and asked if you want a bedtime story or a song, I looked at my wife and I'm like, let's do a bedtime story. Why not? And then we actually looked, and then we actually looked, full, okay, well then, well then I know that for next time, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I guess we've partially kind of answered this question, but how immersive was it for, for each of you? I mean, the, the immersion really, it, it depends on, on you. Like, it, it's up to you how immersed in the storyline you get. Uh, again, the first time I kind of sat in the back and watched people and still did get involved in stuff. Like, my wife got, you know, recruited to smuggle the crate to Ray. And next thing you know, we're, you know, sitting in the lightsaber training simulator, you know, opening the relic. Like, that was super cool. But then... You know, going back the second time with different people, you know, we're in the cargo hold with Ray planning to steal, you know, it's, you know, it, it, it's as interactive as you want it to be. And, and as soon as you, the sooner you jump in, the better. It's just the advice that I give to everybody. I think what was really interesting was how the immersion was a little different from how I, how immersion happens for me at a regular LARP. Like for a LARP that I play, well, the, I'm not playing one currently, but when the games I played, as much as possible, trying to be in character from the moment I'm awake until I go to bed. You know, sometimes having to take quick breaks because you want to say hi to someone in the bathroom or whatever. But then games if that I'm staffing, you're going off, you're doing your plots, you come back to monster camp, take off your makeup, whatever, and then you're yourself, you're talking to people. Um, for the games that I'm a player, it's somebody, I'm somebody totally different. Obviously there's elements of me. I felt like, um, my, my star cruiser character, I, I'm Jen, I called her Zen because I, I wanted something close to my name. It was when I was interacting, I was, I was, I was her. Where it was a little different than a regular LARP was because our, our roommates were, they were still really into it, but they were, they were doing the experience as themselves. So when we'd get together in the cabin or at meals, we'd all, all four of us would be talking kind of as ourselves. So it wasn't like me being that character. I wasn't talking to them as that character. I was talking to them as myself who had a lot of elements. I was basically playing me doing a Star Wars. I was, so it, it was, it was a different Kind of immersion where I'd love to do it next time where everyone is like, okay, we're going to be a thousand percent somebody totally different. So at meals, we're talking, we're, I'm talking as that character, 
Um, but it was still incredibly immersive. It was, it was almost like I wouldn't do it any differently. And there's a part of me that would also almost want to do that the same way next way. Because if you're, if I'm being a hundred percent in character of myself, I wouldn't have been talking about the resistance stuff I was doing with my roommate who was following first order. Like if you kind of, if you go a little more immersion light in some areas, you get to learn more about other experiences while you're there. Um, but it was kind of, I was basically LARPing as a Star Wars version of myself, which I enjoyed. I don't know how other people who are used to having a character for the same, for a full weekend, how, how you all approached it. I'd be really interested to hear. So I'll freely admit, I, I went in part, you know, planning on playing a character. Um, I was um, Zellan Hunt, a.k.a. the um, I had a, a tail and ears and you know, robes, and I had, I honestly had gone before, before the Star Cruising at my lightsaber made. Um, so I was using a, a Savvy Workshop lightsaber, but it was, you know, hanging off my side the entire time. And but I was also chasing around my three-year-old the, you know, the entire time. And I didn't feel the need to be in character the entire run, which is the one pull back from immersion for me. Um, but other than that one slightness, it was it was fantastic. There was there was very little that broke immersion. So I think, and I also. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, I also feel like when I, if you're playing, when I play characters at a game that I'm spending $100 on a weekend for, I'm willing to do what's fun for that character, even if it's not fun for me. Like, I, I used to play a, a military character where I would just stand out on guard watching for whatever was coming to town to kill us. I would just stand out there. That's not fun for Jen, but that character, she she enjoyed suffering and doing that. But I wouldn't want to do that on the Star Cruiser. Like I always wanted to pick the thing that was going to be fun for me because I was the one paying all the money to do it. Whereas I don't necessarily do that with a with a with a lower stakes, less investment arc, if that makes sense. No, that 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 makes a lot of sense. You know, and it's it's interesting because in general LARP, I always choose characters that have some similarity with me. So in other words, um, I'll, I'll gravitate toward characters that have a military background because I have that. I'll gravitate toward characters that have lived in certain areas that I've lived in because then I don't have to think about them. They just kind of happen. Um, but, you know, for, for Star Cruiser, it, the, the immersion for me was, I mean, it started pretty much right away once you got on that shuttle going up to the, going up to the cruiser. And then everywhere you looked, it was Star Cruiser. You know, in, in essence, it's very much from that perspective, like a college of wizardry, which, you know, is is set in this castle in Poland from the 1200s that has secret passages through the walls. The, the, the venue becomes a character in and of itself. And, and I really think that that made Star Cruiser so amazing but even there, you could take like those short, like 30 second breaks. Like if you're sitting at dinner and you've got people, you know, sitting next to you, you can always lean over and say, hey, 
what did you think of this or how much fun are you having with this? And like when they handed out the the little notes on the, the third night, I think it was the second night, like we got, we, we found like two of them immediately because we had one and our neighboring table had one. And then we ran into friends that we made in the line right at the beginning of the event. And like, oh, we got all three. Here they are. Take photos of them. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, it breaks immersion a little bit. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, but this could technically happen. So it works out really well for us. See, I didn't quite feel that it broke immersion because I was dressed as my, I was playing myself on the Star Cruiser, who happened to be a rogue. We got stuck into race plans, and I mean, when we went to Batu, I didn't spend half my time with you. You That's and true. I went virgin paths, so taking doing our own little side plans that were set up for us. So. I kind of felt like I was playing playing a weird version of myself in this in this which usually I walk around my I usually forget my entire plot of my characters and I walk around the weekend saying you stole my beer or playing some drunk road. So. So, so that actually opens up an interesting question, uh, which is what made Star Cruiser a LARP for each of you? The role play, hands down, it was the role play. I, uh, again, echoing what people said, playing a version of themselves. Zen was a, a fashion historian and designer, so that gave me an excuse to talk about all the little details about costume items and uniforms people might have been wearing. Um, but for me, I I dove I dove right in. I made I made little handkerchiefs that said um, the force will be with you always. No one's ever really gone. And I used that to kind of spark relationships with a lot of characters. So the characters where it made sense when I first met them, or sometimes depending on what was happening, I would I would give them I would say you know things are really tough or insert whatever thing made sense, and I'd say I, I wanted to give this to you. And then that would spark conversations. And because, like so many of us who go, I've just, I've eaten up that Star Wars lore for years. And I, the, I, the morning we boarded, I had finished reading the Princess and the Scoundrel book where Han and Leia are honeymooning. I was able to bring in that, that lore. And usually for, for regular arts, I, I have so much trouble remembering all the plot details and lore I need to, especially if it's someone else's plot and I, you know, I have the right things on my arm. But for this, I had that lore. So I was able to take that background and talk to, I'm not going to spoil things, but talk to one of the characters who would also know things that were referenced in that book. And in that first interaction, that character, they said, oh, I, I need to stop. You're going to make me cry. And I was like, I was like, yes, yes. So I'm like, no, no, I, I, I my character, I was playing. I didn't want to make this person start crying. And then as me, as a person, you could, because Disney cast members can never truly opt in and can never truly consent to intense experiences. I didn't want to push them too far right. because they can't say no. And I, I, that, that, I, I wouldn't, I didn't want to milk it like I would have wanted to milk that scene if I was LARPing with, with friends at a regular life where people can, can tap out at any point. But that moment, and I was like, I was fighting back tears 
that cast member playing that character was fighting back to allegedly fighting back tears. And that moment, that emotional rush, like I forgot everything other than what was happening in that moment. And on the, after we disembarked, when they, they sent the, the day after we flew, we flew home the same day we were at my parents' house, Disney sent uh, like a survey, what were your favorite moments? And it felt like my post-event letter, I was bawling. I was ugly crying in my parents' bathroom, writing about that interaction because it, that story became, I was part of that story. I had that interaction and it gave that same kind of catharsis and emotional payoff that I've, I've had in with characters that have been written over years, with plots that I've written over years, with, with other with players and friends that I've interacted with over years. So it, it it made it real emotionally for me, and that's that's what that's what did it for me. And I, I, I am definitely really interested to hear from. I've had this conversation about it with other LARPer friends, and I'm really interested to hear from from you all how how you experienced it. Yeah. So so Elliot. How, how how did it how how what what made it a LARP for you? I mean, it's by definition that's exactly you know what they're selling you on. I mean, you know, you know it's going to be a fully immersive experience. So that you know, I, I walked in already expecting it to be like that, and you know, they they exceeded my expectations. So you know. It's it it's been you know you watch everybody talk about you know oh it's so expensive and oh this and oh that and, and it it just you know it it it, it I mean I'm you know, I'm sure everybody's survey you know it exceeded my expectations like like the food was okay and the the hotel room was kind of small but the cast I mean even you know as someone I yeah, I've worked at Disney for 25 years so uh, normally in a situation like that the merchandise cast members and the food cast members you know they're not entertainment they're not getting paid to be part of the game but they were all part of the game every single person was involved and that you know that made me want to be more involved and you know there's there's a moment you know where you you know my, my wife was like you know she's not a larper she never got into any of that and there's there was that moment where she was given that suitcase and run it down to ray and She's like, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a 35 year old woman running around like I'm 12 years old. This is awesome. So, is it just, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's what it is. I mean, it's, you know, it's what it, I expected. So, for breakfast the very last morning, we had a. Well, oh, okay, go ahead. It's your story. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you started it. You finished it. <laughs> Um, we, we had a, we had a couple sitting at the table next to us where I think he was in his eighties, if I remember correctly. And the daughter, yeah. And, and the daughter that was with him had bought this for him and she had come along cause she didn't want her dad to go alone. And she's figuring, oh, there's going to be nothing here for me. It's not going to be interesting. I'm not going to have fun. And she was literally just sitting there saying how incredible the experience had been, you know, how much fun she had. She knew nothing about Star Wars going into it, but she loved like all of the experiences that she had, all of the interactions with the characters. And, you know, as, as much as we all love it as fans, I think the fact that someone like her comes out and says that is so much more important. And, you know, Disney should like hunt her down and put her in their ads because 
you know, it's, it's literally the, I'm not a fan of this, but I would do it again because it was so much fun. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, for, for, for me, from a LARP perspective, it, I love the character interactions, especially the ones that you weren't expecting. Um, we, our, our, our Lieutenant Croy was the thin gangly guy. And, you know, after he had spoken like twice, you kind of got this feeling that, that the only reason he got assigned to Star Cruiser was because he was crushing on Gaia and he had purposefully jiggered the assignments to get there. So at one point we're, we're in the, the, um, the, the simulation room for, for, for Batu, and we're in there with the Seiya and he'd come in and he'd started doing something. And as he starts walking out, my only comment is, well, there goes the galaxy's biggest Gaia fanboy. And he turns around and he's like, I'm not a fanboy. I'm a fan man. And then just runs off. And it was like just perfect. And it felt so good to have that interaction because you're like, at least you know they're paying attention to what you're saying. But that and the, um, the walk of the cop, you know, the cop, the, the little the little stormtrooper. Oh, and yeah. The two big, and, who, and the two stormtroopers who fell in behind him. Yeah, it was so cute. Right, carpet whipping. It was, oh, it was so adorable. So, so it was a kid that was in like a, like a, I guess, super like inexpensive, like Walmart kind of, Storm, storm clone trooper costume or stormtrooper costume, and he he was a little bit afraid to walk down that little red carpet that they had, but the two stormtroopers were were like stepped up like right behind him and like we got you, and then he walked it down and I was sitting in a perfect spot so I got a photo of like the two stormtroopers right behind this little kid, just looking like stormtroopers and the kids just having a blast. It was so incredible to see how they have you know, villain characters, but still so kid-friendly. Yeah. Because little kids, they love, they love the dark side. I mean, at, at 501st events, the kids, they'll, they'll come running up and just hug Darth Vader. You have to have spotters so people don't trip. But I thought, I mean, especially as, as a LARPer, watching Koi, I mean, who expected to love Koi? I didn't help, I mean, I tried to help him romantically, sort of, a little but I did not expect, like, there was a part of me that so much wanted to actually hang out with Croy and help Croy. Because he was, he, I had the, the same, the same um, Croy you did, I believe, Martin. And he was just, he was incredible. And just, I love, I love playing villains. When I'm staffing game, I love playing villains. And I just watched, it's like, you, as a LARPer, you're like, how do I play a villain like that? Because he, he was just he was phenomenal. And every, like, you hear, I mean, you hear so many, all, the Koi's are just brilliant. You, it's, it's just, the, I was, I think the most amazing thing would be a one shot with all the, with all the cast members who play Koi, all playing Koi and just see what happens. Like, I'd love an alternate, like, what if Star Cruiser, like, that would just, I'd love that. That would be the most amazing thing I could imagine. Yeah, I mean, Croy was, Croy was great. I mean, just, and, and you're right, it, it was it was fascinating to watch him deal with adult players and deal with kid players. And we had one kid player who, like, went so far dark side, like his parents were, like, apologizing for him. It was great. It was like, so all of our family is, like, on the light, except our son. We're sorry about that. He's gone as dark as possible. So, like, what, what, without spoiling it, but toward the end, you know, there's that thing that happens 
and Wraith goes up and does something, and the little kid's like, he's up there doing it right now, he's up there doing it right now, and Croy has to absolutely pretend he doesn't hear the kid, because it's not in the plot. And it's so awesome just watching him do that. So improvisation is just, it's, it's magical. Yeah. So, so, our particular one, speaking of the good Lieutenant Croy, our particular one had quite a number of little kids. Not as young as my son, but, you know, 10, 12, what have you. And there is literally a moment at the very beginning as he's strutting around um, in, in the main foyer where he gets swamped literally swamped by 10 or 12 little ones all practically hanging off with him. And, and he looks up and the, but you honestly want to think the panic is real. He's like, I am surrounded by little ones. Deal with this. To, to the two stormtroopers who really had to come in and rescue him from the pit. So this, this brings us to the, I guess, the other question is, what made it not a lot for you? That would be probably the, the children and the people that weren't 100% in. They, they, can, they can really pull you out of, uh, pull you out of what's going on. Uh, we had, a, we had a, one of the ones I did, there was a, uh, a kid that was just making noise during the pivotal final moment, and the Lieutenant Croy was like, uh, he mentioned his name. He's like, hey, where, where are so-and-so's parents? And the parents stood up. He's like, where have you been this entire cruise? But everyone in the room was just like, oh, it's just this one person is ruining this for everybody. So that, that's, that's, the, that's the scary part is it, you know, you spend all this money and, and one person can legitimately ruin your experience. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that was definitely a big worry. Because, I mean, you... We've all been at LARPs where there's scenes happening where somebody just doesn't read the room and just goes off and makes it all about them. And with with a regular LARP, you can, if you're a player, you can say to staff, hey, I, I'm not interested in pursuing this. I'm going to do something different. I just, I don't want to interact with that person. But on the Star Cruiser, I mean, it's, 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 it's once. It's potentially once in a lifetime for a lot of people, but it's thousands. It's it's a lot of money to have your experience taken down enough. We were. I was very, very, very grateful that the kids on our cruise that we were around were absolutely amazing. I mean, we went. I think it, maybe there's strategy involved in because we went when we went right before my school year started, so late August when a lot of a lot of other places have just started school, but they're still kids, and you never you never know when you're going kid, to get a kid or an adult who ruins the experience. And there's only so much the cast members can do. So for, so for me, as it is with LARPs, my, my biggest fear is, and it happened on our cruise, um, being pulled out by real life, we had a gentleman... I'm an ER nurse by trade, and we had a gentleman who slipped on the rope slippery lobby floor and ended up having to, so I got pulled out and got, got pulled out of, of, and had to have help with, with him 
in the and then the ambulance had to come and the EMS came because he had broken a hip and had to be carted off to um to the hospital. So that took me a little time to get back into game because real life came crashing into our little, which ha can happen at any of us, which has happened to me when I'm an NPC or something and I'm on, I'm on the health and safety aspect of love. So, but, so that took, that took a couple hours to get back into, into game. Yeah, I think for, for, for me, I, I tend to agree a lot with Elliot that it's, it's the other people that can make it less of a LARP. Um, I think the hardest thing for me was combining what I consider a standard sort of yes and LARP with the choose your own adventure aspect that you wind up with through your phone. Because I can't really yes and the characters in my phone to an extent. I mean, obviously you have choices and depending on how you respond to those little prompts, you get interesting replies back. Um, Lieutenant Croy had some of the most interesting replies when you were like, yeah, I think I'm going to go do rebellion stuff. <laughs> um, and it's interesting then to interact with the character immediately after because they don't know the interaction that you had on your phone. Um, so, so that, I don't want to say it broke the immersion because it absolutely didn't, but it made it feel just a little bit weird at times. What I thought was a little weird is how you didn't have to waste like hours trying to hook players or have people find you for plots. Like it just showed up in your data. Like I, I, you think about how much time you spend just sitting around waiting because somebody else is trying to find your players. Like that was a real. That it, it was one of those things where I'm like, this is so unlike Lars. Like. The, the plot thing that's going to happen, we can just send it out over the over the airwaves to our data pad, and then we know where we have to go. Whereas it's like in a regular LARP, it's like, wait, they told me to be where? What time is it? And I mean, you have to be that efficient with this, but that was one of those things that it was so different than a regular LARP. But I was like, oh, I wish we could. I mean, there's no way to do it in most types of LARP, and I'm like, oh, I wish there was a way that you could just summon all your players to the place where you want them right at the time, and you don't have to be sitting out in the woods freezing for an hour because they're all off doing other things. So wandering around through a, a battleship for an hour and a half trying to find people, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, how did you enjoy the excursion to Bot 2, and did it enhance or detract from the overall experience? Another place where it's really easy to get pulled out, just based on the fact that it's full of all the normal park guests. So, but it's full of all the normal park guests. Um, a lot of the quests you're doing at that point are pretty much the hunt and go find X, Y, and Z. Um, which in my case was made a little bit worse because I had my son in pistol and was ruling him around all the time. Although even then I had one nice little interaction as not Lieutenant Cole, but a different uh, Lieutenant looked over as I'm pushing my son in his carriage and was like, ah, I see we have no, we have nobility here being pushed around by his slave. Nice. They're so they're so they're so saucy in the first order. 
Yeah, I, I, I almost had a nasty reaction with that. And then, I, like, five minutes later, I did, in fact, get pulled over by the uh, stormtroopers who were interrogating me for, for my ID and like that. I, I like the fact that that we got back to that they knew, because of the pins we were wearing, that they knew we were part of the Halcyon. So they could interact with us a little different, you know, a little differently because of, they, because of, we were identified as part of the star system. I really enjoyed the, 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 the mission. So I've got, I got a messed up move. So I was using a mobility scooter, which made, which is kind of, uh, I think helped make things a little more efficient. I ended up doing three different, I basically did all the missions for everybody, but Lieutenant Croy. So I was, during that time on Batu, I was so hyper-focused on trying to fit it all in because, uh, and I didn't stick with any, I didn't stick with my husband or anybody else. I just, I just did my own thing, but I was so hyper-focused on, all right, I got to complete, because I'm a completionist. I wanted to get, I had to finish all my stuff, scan all the stuff, and in time to get to, we had an Oga's reservation with our roommates, and then we also had to get back for our, my husband and I had, yeah, we had to get back for our portrait session. So I was just zipping around so much. And what I found was interesting for me on that too, and for pretty much the whole experience is I don't really notice too much the other pe the people not dressed up in costume. I almost kind of feel like at a, at a large game, I don't really notice the setting and every, everything else is going on. So I feel like for me, when there's like the role play happening, as long as either I've got people in costume or I've got people or the setting is spot on. Um, but I was just, and I think I was really overtired because I was exhausted, but I was just go, go, go. And I enjoyed it. I just wished I'd had more time to kind of just relax and enjoy Batu. We did three park days before and we had some time to check out Batu, but I never, I never got to like relax on the planet. But, um, but I really enjoyed it. And I, it was really, really hot though. So I, I feel like maybe I would have enjoyed it more if it wasn't August in Florida. Um, but I, and I did have a little, actually I did have a little time where I kind of, um, I kind of like just was sitting in the shade a little bit because I wanted to see if Kylo Ren would come out on, from his, um, his shuttle and he never did, but I actually had to leave because people started coming up and try to get pictures of me. Cause I was in all, I was in all, I did a kind of a Jedi inspired all white with a wrap top and a, I had a hood. Cause like you learned, you know, from Obi-Wan, you put the hood up, nobody recognizes you. But anytime you're a brunette woman in all white, people are like, you look kind of like Leia or Ray, let's get pictures. So I had to be like, I'm not a cast member. I'm not, um, because you don't want to ruin the chance for other people to continue wearing that level of costuming. And we know that if we go and we, we do what we're not supposed to, they're going to wreck that. Like I think originally they let Halcyon guests wear full face makeup and they had to pair that, um, they had to pair that back, but it was, it, it, it was really fun. I think one of the really cool things that I sort of, that, that we ran into while we were doing our excursion is the fact that, so we did both Droid Depot, Savvies, we did Udaz, we did Rise of the Resistance, we did Smuggler's Run, while also attempting to complete all of those quests. Um, and 
you know, it, it was interesting, like, as we're leaving Savvy's, like, the guy's asking us because he sees the Halcyon pins, like, you know, how's it going up there? I'm like, well, you know, the First Order is causing some trouble. And he's like, well, we're going to be sending you up some help later on this evening to, to help you combat that. And I'm like, that would be greatly appreciated. And, you know, it was just the fact that, that they took that that three-second interaction to sort of tell you, yes, we see that you're on the Star Trek cruise thing, or Star Wars cruise thing, and yes, we absolutely want to, you know, be part of that experience for you. And was last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we did one of them, too, but that was a cruise ship. Very different thing. Um, but I mean, it was it was just the, it was just the 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 fact that they took the time to do that, and you know, even for Smuggler's Run, we've done it once before, and when you scan in with your Halcyon bracelet, you wind up getting an actual slightly different run, which is really kind of cool. Um, you know, and it ends with with Hondo telling you a whole bunch of stuff that he doesn't tell you when you do the normal run. So, see, now I definitely have to do it because I don't remember. Like, I know we got it and I know it was different, but I don't remember because I was running on so little. Yep. I mean, so, you know, that, that, that really sort of, it, it really tied Batu into it. And I, and I love the fact, you know, how they did the shuttle back and forth because um, that was so immersive. For me, what what made me that little five year old kid again watching Return of the Jedi on the couch on those square TV with my dad, when we were on the excursion, like Ray and Chewie like saw me and came over, and I was just like, I was like, oh my god, and they're like, you're here to help. We're so glad. And have again having that conversation because I I run into on the on the park days before because I was I was in a different I was in the more like dinner so kind of inspired bound for the park days before we went on the ship, but then um, by Ray and Chewie found me. And I like, I was just like, oh my God. Cause they, like you felt like that was for me, that was kind of where the experience started. Cause they're like, we're so glad you're here. You're here to help. And I'm like, I'm really here to help, but I'm going to help you more soon. But it's like, it's those, those little moments where it's just kind of above and beyond in Batu because you're so into it. We're just, they're just, they're just extra cool. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, quickly checking the time here. How good we're good. Uh, so, is there anything that you guys wish that the Disney designers would have done differently? Oh yes, there's one thing I kind of wish. I know every in every geek's heart who is, who follows Star Wars, you wish you could have could be. A force user, and have you know, even those little moments of being able to use the force, and to to call upon a different park completely, you can kind of get that. If you can do that kind of experience, like if you go over to the Hogwarts experience at um, Universal Studios, you can cast little bits of magic. So there are ways of doing. Little things of, yes, I have the force, I can use the force. That would make those of us who are com a complete Star Wars nerds so very, very happy. And it was just the one thing that was absolutely not there. Really. I mean, yes, there was the lightsaber training. Um, I did both that and got to you know, 
and we did the lock cat lightsaber training, which Mastin absolutely adored. But you know, I wish there was a little bit more for me to do. You know. All right, fair enough. I kind of wish there was the opportunity to out of character, just kind of given a true out of character, a pause, appreciation stage door moment with the cast members afterwards. Because um, I know for me, one of one of the ways I, at a regular life, I kind of get that closure and get ready to move back into the mundane world is that end of day meeting. And when they call game off Sunday afternoon, everyone kind of stops and you get to kind of gather and you get to kind of glare at your friends who wrote plots that tormented you. They get to glare at you. You get to kind of have that aha moment. And I, I never really realized just how important that was to my processing and to unpacking and processing my emotions until we got off the star cruiser and it's just like okay that's it it's done it's and, and it's and it, there's a, a lot of the cast members on social media so you know you can throw you can throw a like and you can show that kind of appreciation that way but it's really different than having a chance to you know Give a hug to the friend who made you bawl your eyes out because of an interaction. And just for, for especially for, for, for those of us who are just, have been living Star Wars and loving Star Wars since we were little kids, it, it was kind of hard to kind of cut off that emotional, that, that emotion and not be able to close that out in, as, as a person and not just as the character. But I understand why they don't do that because I mean, if they keep that immersion, like I, I understand, but I, I miss that, and I, I, it just makes me value it more at regular work. So there's something that we did, my family, um, going into our Disney trip in, in total, and that's we made up these little tokens, the little <laughs> key, a little wooden tag that say you were the key to my magic, and we were giving them out to. Not just, I mean, literally throughout our entire trip in Disney, giving those out to cast members. Um, and trust me, the, the reactions we got back were nothing but positive. My wife says she almost brought somebody to tears because of it made them gay. Um, and that's how we immediately you know, kind of rewarded, so to speak, the, the people we were working on. Um, the person who was playing Orlani, the entire event kept interact, you know, was interacting with my son. Most people didn't want to deal with her, I guess, because you know, she's she's there and she's speaking Hades, not not anything that most people can speak. So she doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And here's my little three year old runs up to her and they're just babbling at each other the entire time. And it's the it is the greatest thing. And like Okay, you think maybe the cast member wants to walk away from the little king? Nope, nope. She was more than happy to continue interacting with, with my son. Um, so I absolutely had to make sure she got one of those keys, even though I had yeah, handed off through a handler that was to the side. I mean, still, you know, it was just one of those, this is how we, you know, show appreciation. And, that, and that's, it's a little thing because they, they can't break immersion, but still at least something right at a hundred a hundred and I'd, I'd heard about other people who you know 
small kinds of gifts, which is where I was like, I brought, I brought a bunch of like challenge coins that, um, and I brought a bunch of, as a, when I made the handkerchiefs too, and it definitely helps. So it definitely made me feel better to know I'd given them, I'd given the, the, the most meaningful uh, cast members those handkerchiefs, but there's, you know, there's still that piece of like, you, you wanted to be like, you got me, Ray. I wasn't going to be a smuggler. I was going to be on the straight and narrow, but you got me. But I feel, hopefully they know, they know that they're scoundrelly and stuff. Elliot, any thoughts from you on this? I, I mean, the best way to thank cast members is to, you know, mention them by name and correspondence to the company. Like, you that that does get back to them, and that is, like, the highest award that you get is when a guest actually says your name and you were great and amazing. So, I mean, I know why you can't say goodbye to everybody because they're going to be back at 3 o'clock with a whole new group of people, you know? Right. <laughs> it's just, it's logistics of, you know, they're... They're not there when you leave because their ship is until three o'clock. But uh, you know, um, yeah. Oh. So. A anything that you would have liked to see Disney do differently with Surfers? Oh, um, I want the ability to book a cruise with no children. Yeah. Yep. I just want it doesn't need it just needs to be one day a month. You know, or one one cruise where it's just eighteen and up. You know, I know I've, I've got a friend right now that's trying to organize a giant group of just cosplayers that can go. It would I wonder be, if it's the same friend. Probably. It, it would also be a, another great opportunity to to do like legit a LARP group of people that are a hundred percent. It just you know, it just means that that Sammy would have a very boring cruise because he would have no children following him all over the ship. <laughs> <laughs> Chewbacca wouldn't have a storyline. Um, it, it's yeah, but Lieutenant Cole would be very happy because he wouldn't have to be rescued from children. Yeah, and I just I'd, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that ability because you know, look, look, kids are great. They're not paying to be. There. You know, I I am I am paying to be there. Right, and I think that's what we noticed. You know, yep. who went is the parents. Is the parents' dream trip to go to Star Cruiser, not the kids. Mm. Yeah, and and, right. and and for all of my listeners, don't get us wrong. That doesn't mean the kids aren't having a great time. They no, absolutely no, no, are. But it would be nice to have like a, a eighteen and up cruise where where like everybody really is enthusiastic about being there, is enthusiastic about being a Star Wars you know character for for three days, and living that experience without without the the interruption or disruption that kids can sometimes cause. I also really want the food from the first day for lunch to be available for the second day for lunch. That grilled cheese tomato soup thing that they oh, make. I want that for every meal. <laughs> yeah, so we didn't experience the second day of lunch because we were we were down on Batu, so we had the little free the free lunch that you get on Batu essentially. Um, but yeah, that that tomato soup is excellent. Yeah, it's not it's not as good as the. I, we we rushed back and we're we're disappointed. Oh man, I was hoping for that tomato soup. <laughs> See, for, it, for as I know, um, my husband cooks for a couple local arts, but for markers with allergies, with food allergies, just know the Star Cruiser is phenomenal. I have multiple allergies. 
I was definitely stressed out because if I if I get the tiniest bit of cross contamination from gluten, I'm a wreck for a week. So that was very stressful going into an expensive experience and I it was it was I have other allergies too, so it's I'm a lot more complicated than just your average gluten free person because they couldn't give me like the, the gluten free mixes and stuff for other people. And they just knocked it out of the park. The the chef for breakfast the third morning found a recipe for almond flour pancakes that he made for me. And it was so awesome. Like typically, sometimes when when our husband's cooking for game, he can't always even accommodate me. So I have to bring my own food. So it was super awesome to just have incredible, incredible food that was safe for me on demand. And still in theme. Like there were, we did um, captain's table the second night. And one of our roommates was was joking that she kind of wished she had the food allergies because she liked what I was having more than what she had. Um, but that that accessibility piece when we talk about differences from regular LARP, that that was really huge. Um, and I feel also feel like because I, I had mobility issues, but where I really can't fault Disney at all is their their mobility accessibility. That was it was phenomenal. I, I had to use a mobility scooter pretty much the whole time and I didn't feel like I missed out whereas my regular LARPs I, I'm definitely still limited in um, what I can do because I can't get around well I can't participate in combat. Yeah, I think that's I think that's one of the things that Disney generally does very well is accommodate is accommodate disabilities and accommodate allergies. Um, you know we we had we had an a wonderful din- dining experience the night before we went to Star Cruiser because we ate at Victoria and Albert's. Oh. And yeah, uh, highly recommended. Um, it's worth, the, it is worth the splurge. Um, but like the night before they sent, they sent us an email with, you know, what are your food allergies? What can't you eat? What don't you like? And you send that back to them. And, you know, one of the dishes that my wife had was a mushroom dish. And I don't like the texture of mushrooms. I love mushroom sauces. But I hate the texture of mushrooms. My wife doesn't like bell peppers, and one and when she got the mushroom dish, I got a bell pepper dish. You know, and they took all of that into account and and just made that the way it was. It was, it was great. And the fact that everything was labeled on Star Cruiser, like if there was, you know, it told you what was in it, it told you like where the where the allergens were. It was, it was just amazing how well Disney does that particular aspect of the game. Well, they, I didn't eat off the buffet because, and I, I wouldn't have anybody, but they knew based yep. on the information I gave them that what they needed to do was make me everything from scratch yep. in the back. Because I'll get, if I, I'll get sick from stuff off buffets. Um, but what they also did that was really amazing is because I was concerned, I'd heard you'd have to wait. I didn't want to have to be waiting for a while when everyone else um, could just grab and go. So I talked to the chef when I first arrived, which is whatever, which you're supposed to, is what you're supposed to do and said when I wanted to come for breakfast. So they were, they were ready for me and it was faster for them to prepare everything, but very, very highly recommended, especially, I mean, the tough thing with LARP, there's so much communal eating happening at long events. And, and a big part of why I haven't pursued going to any of the, um, the other, the, the more classic well-known blockbuster LARPs is, I don't know that I could trust their kitchens to be able to feed me. And, and for me, Disney, I knew I could trust them. And 
I also, even when, when you're hearing more and more about it, when I wasn't sure if the food was going to work for me, I kind of, after hearing about from friends who went very early on just how incredible it was, I was like, you know what? The story sounds good enough. If all I can eat is a, a cheeseburger on lettuce the whole time, I would have been fine with it. But for me, the food was amazing. It was a bonus, I guess. Always a bonus. So, if had you, amazing food. Yeah, that, I mean, the, the food is absolutely amazing. And that's a thing that um, I know I've read far too many people complaining about how expensive the Star Cruiser is. As we, every time, it's because they're looking at it as a, just as a hotel. It's not a hotel. It's a cruise. And it's a cruise where they are feeding you and they have some pretty top level chefs working back there. Some of that get some of that um, specialty cooking they're doing, the the, the 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 absolute chemistry of it just boggles my mind that they were able to get that stuff done. Yeah. Kevin, there was one dish they so I can't do I can't do gluten, I can't do rice, which means no rice product. It is almost impossible to fry something for me and get it crispy and breaded. It's so hard to come up with. Somehow they did that, and it was so good. I, I was questioning in my head, like, wait, there's no way this doesn't have gluten in it. Like, how how is that possible? But I also think uh, just... chemistry. Yeah. Well, and that idea, it, yeah. you know, even, even more than just the proof, it's also like, look at how much you spend to go to for Hamilton tickets. I mean, this is like... If you just stack, it's like you're going to a musical back-to-back to musical. The cost and labor of the costumes, the cost, like a Broadway-quality wig, which would be like what anyone wearing a wig on the house would wear, you're looking at 10 grand. Easy. The costumes, the labor, I mean, they're, and, I mean, you think those of us who are, you know, are involved behind the scenes in art, if you... Can you imagine if you paid every plot runner, staff writer, NPC, even if you paid everyone minimum wage or less than minimum wage, it would it would cost for sure what the housing costs. And that's what I think probably oh, absolutely. As, as people involved behind the scenes in LARP, when they came out with the pricing, I was honestly kind of shocked it wasn't more. And I will say... It is out like I, I absolutely hear there's so many people who are really frustrated and disappointed because it's never going to be financially accessible for them. And I that frustration is absolutely valid. And for those folks, I say, you know what, go to regular lunch because you can have those same emotional highs and lows and emotional angst. But I mean, artists deserve to be paid, and the cast members should be paid six times as much as they're paid for the incredible work they do. And you know, you know that Disney isn't paying people very much. I mean, there's, and it, and it's, it's just you can't create that kind of art without charging that kind of money. Well, there's, there's, there's definitely an aspect of a labor of love in it from the people that are doing it, um, as for the cast members, and then like all the behind the scenes people. Um, you know it. The, you know, I, I looked at it from the cost of, of, of you know, we, we tried to run a LARP recently that didn't go anywhere because I couldn't get enough players. Um, but, you know, 
it was also sort of an all-immersive experience. It was on board a a decommissioned U.S. destroyer. All the food was provided. You have your lodgings on the ship. All of that sort of built in. And I look at Star Cruiser very much the same way. You know, you've got all of your lodgings built in. You've got your food built in. Your entertainment is built in. Um, you know, it's it's no different than a, than a cruise, to be perfectly honest, at the end of the day. And if I compare what we paid for our cruise in February to what we paid for our Star Cruiser in at the end of October, beginning of November, it's within like a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, granted, oh, yeah. I'm, yeah, granted, no, I'm on the cruise. I, I, I'm on the cruise for seven days, and I'm only on Star Cruiser for two. But, but still, <laughs> I mean, I seriously, when we were looking at it, I looked at the at the price breakdown on a as if it was a per day, and it's comparable to like the Jonathan Colton cruise. Which yeah, that's that's a seven day, but if you break it down on a day by day cost, it's all just about the same. And if you have roommates, it it really can take a chunk out. It's still really expensive. I think the cheapest you could get it down to if you had five people, five adults in one cabin on one of the lowest events might be around thirteen hundred or fourteen hundred dollars each. But I mean, even if even if you compare it with a regular Disney trip, staying at even a moderate resort and doing character dining at every meal and doing Cirque du Soleil and paying for park passes, I did the math at one point, and for for an experience that is not the same, because there's nothing like the Star Cruiser anywhere, even even the other kind of big budget blockbuster ones, it's still not exactly like nothing. Star Cruiser has never been done before, but it's it's not. It's it's comparable in price, if not less, than trying to create that level of um, that level of dining and characters and interactions just at Disney. But I think the other thing is, it's just people have to see the value in it. If people are interested in the experience, they're gonna think it's overpriced. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like everything. Like if if we think about how much we spent on costumes for our large characters oh, over the years. <laughs> I, was, I was saying to someone, like, you know what, if, if I'm playing a regular walk, maybe I'm spending $100 a weekend, but over the course of that character's life, I have spent a lot more than the cost of a Star Cruiser on warm clothes and costume yeah. outfits, and I have, oh, and donations to the game. I, I, can, I, can, I compete in, in um, ballroom dancing. And one dress is three, three to six thousand dollars. So, and not counting, not counting the the guest room we have of costumes for large. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like we all. It's I, I think as a society, as a world, we need to stop getting mad at people for putting for for spending money on things that make them happy and that they enjoy, like. I think about how much I spend on my camera equipment. And yes, it's it's a side business. I use it for work, but it's your my toys make me happy. What I'm able to do with that makes me happy. What I'm able to do with my imagination on the Star Cruiser makes me happy. And it's one of those things like we know that things don't necessarily make us happy. Experiences make us happy. Yep. I mean, obviously things once you have your basic necessities and health, you know, that kind of stuff, but but experiences. And especially, like, for me right now, with my mobility issues with my knee and with the, my food allergy stuff, 
the the star crew there there weren't many other trips that offered me that same level of accessibility that I wanted to do at that point in my life. And it's like I did I mean so at my um my the local Star Wars group we've done make a wish send-offs for kids going in the house in. And it's like it's a chance to just go and forget everything and not have to worry about anything. And we've all had a rough time the past couple of years. And being able to go and not think about everything. Um, and what stinks is, you know, COVID is still a problem. We, we risked it and we didn't wear masks the time we were there. But now it's kind of like, as I'm thinking about planning that second voyage, it's like, all right, would I, would I want to make a character who wore a mask most of the time? Would I not? Because, like, with regular larks that are outside most of the time, like, that safety piece is a lot easier. Like, the games, I'm in, one of the games I'm involved with, like, everyone tests before they come to games. So, we've got safety pieces there, but I'm just, with with how everything is, I'm kind of like, it's how accessible, I mean, there's a whole group of people who it's just not going to be accessible for because of immune-compromised reasons and health reasons, but... That, and that's kind of an advantage here if you like the regular large have. Because if you're outside at a campsite, it's safer. But it's kind of a random tangent. But it's always, it, it's hard. It's it's hard. LARPing now is, it's not LARPing four or five years ago. It's, it's very true. So we're, we're approaching the end of our time here. So I'm going to end with my standard question, which is, assuming it runs, what is next for each of you with LARP? I'm going to Intercom for the first time, um, which for any listeners who don't know, it's a, it's a weekend convention of all like one shot LARPs. And I've only, I've only done one, one shot short, like parlor LARP before. So I'm, I'm really excited for this one, especially because I think two or three of the games I'm playing are ones written by friends. So I'm really excited to have that, get that emotional rush and catharsis in multiple times from different games in the same weekend. So that, and then my next, my staff Tales of Valor. So I'm really, really looking forward to the first spring event for Tales of Valor this year. Thanks, Anneli. What's next for you with LARP? I'm going, going back to Star Cruiser with Cosplay Cruise. Nice. <laughs> that's, that's the next one that's on. That's fantastic. When's that? When's the one you're looking at going to be? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I, I want to say maybe September. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll connect all of you guys via via Facebook so that we can all chat on it. Um, so. so yeah, if you guys end up in Florida, let me know. Yep. I'm right. I'm right behind Magic Kingdom. Yeah, okay. Fireworks, yeah, fireworks should be happening at any minute. <laughs> Uh, Kevin, what's next for you? What's next for LARP with you? So next for LARP for me, um, the March event for Nexus Elements is coming up March seventeenth to nineteenth. Um, and you know, if people want to want to learn more about um, Isles Forgotten King and, and our game, uh, they can go to nexuselements.org, which is our website and has everything you 
want to learn about our love right there. Okay. Sarah Kate? Uh, I think Garfall is the next one. Whenever Starfall is. Uh, yeah, so I think we are signed up for week two of Starfall, which, if I remember correctly, is July 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th. And that one's out in Western Western Mass. That's one thing on my on my schedule at the moment. I don't have any Regency alerts. I don't think so. Yeah, the next the next one for me is Starfall as well. Um, so, but of course, I'm I'm also now a Ludo sport instructor. So, for anyone who wants to learn how to actually do lightsaber fighting without the like stuff that goes the, the, the stuff that's that's not actual combat, more than happy to help anyone learn actual combat fighting now. So um, that's my side hustle. It's it's the stuff that I get to do, you know, not during nine to five when I have to be an adult. Um, so, yeah, I think this has been an excellent discussion. Um, obviously, I'd love to continue this for hours, but unfortunately, our time is coming to a close. Uh, so I would like to thank Kevin, Jen, Elliot, and Sarah Kate for joining us today. Thank you to our listeners for turning into this episode of From Adventure to Innkeeper, a podcaster for all LARPers. Um, our next episode will release around the 18th of March, which will be the second episode of the fourth season, and we're going to be looking at historical LARP. This topic will cover some of the LARP that follows a historical event or set in a particular point in history. Uh, again, I'd like to thank my guests for joining me live on the show. I'm your host, Martin. Thank you for listening. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Mal Books. Additionally, we'd like to thank Lex Media for the use of their Fred Rothmel Memorial Podcasting Studio. Uh, I would again like to thank Feedspot for our inclusion of the top five LARP podcasts to listen to for 2023. Please check out all of their links on our website, adventurertoinkeeper.com. Oh.